Hey, hey, y'all. Welcome back. Hey, we doing good. We are. We getting another episode in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at first, we wanted to make these things every two weeks. But we didn't also want to just force anything upon y'all or force speak on a subject. So now we just kind of more so talk with one another, see what's on each other's brain and see if we want to elaborate or think that would make a good broadcast for you guys. And it works. And now we back. And we love talking to each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What y'all probably don't see like behind the scenes is like... Eric and I like genuinely enjoy discussing scriptural, biblical things, and I think it helps us like grow with one another, mm-hmm. um, and to be able to understand like some of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast, like in real time, we have not talked to each other about it beforehand. Yep. So it's like really raw and real, especially the reactions. <laughs> like, this is completely unscripted. And speaking of tonight, this is going to be very unscripted. It may be a little scattered, um, a little bit, just because it's it's such a um, a strong topic. And I think probably for Eric and I, it's probably one of our um, I'd say one of our favorite subjects, just because. Um, I think it's something that we are very transparent about. Like when we're going to talk about relationships tonight, um, and like expectations, unrealistic expectations. Maybe dive a little bit into what our singleness was like, and uh, I don't know. Just being the month of February with the love month coming around. I don't know. Just thinking about our relationship, our marriage. Um, that's come up a lot, like in my mind, over the last couple of weeks, and. Uh, I don't really have any kind of way that we're going to discuss it other than just talking about it. And this is coming strictly from Eric and I's perspective, um, what our specific relationships are like, um, what our marriage was like, um, you know, just kind of overall picture there. We um, still married. She said was. I mean, she said is. Mm, like, yeah, we still together. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean Was. <laughs> was is and is to come yeah yeah, yeah we're all good mm. all right so one of the things in particular that i was very very guilty of um early on uh I, even as far as back as childhood is i was in love with love in love with love like anything about relationships or love like y'all this was like how pitiful it was i was like in preschool like i still remember preschool memories uh preschool first grade and like just having these ridiculous strong crushes on like uh, 11th and 12th graders it was insane like i just loved men and the idea of Um, getting their attention and having fantasies about what relationships would be like, role-playing like the role of a wife all the time when I was having my little playtime. Like, that was ingrained in me very early as a child. And, you know, the the enemy will use, you know, the things that, um, that we're, I don't know, we identify with a lot. And so that really became relationships and the idea of love... Um, really became my stumbling block as I got older. Um, so yeah, that was just kind of how some of mine started. How about you, baby? What did you look like younger days? Uh, mine's a little more tragic and jacked up. 
not like anything went wrong in my family as far as the interaction with me, but um, relationships for me as a kid, like let's uh, look. I'll just put this out there right quick. Um, I battle, yes, yeah, still currently even sometimes with low self esteem as far as my appearance, like my physical features and how I just look as my person as a person. But you're so cute. Yeah, I let you tell it, but <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, as a youngin, like, I mean, everybody that knows me on a deeper level knows, like, I mean, I don't know if it was just a thing. Maybe I wasn't, my looks weren't, uh, something that society would consider cute, but I was like legit called ugly from like, ever since I liked girls. So, I mean, I, I could just go back to, I would go back to from first grade. It was one time in second grade where there was a one girl. And I remember her name specifically, and it's hilarious because her name was Classy, but she was like the most kind female that I had ever dealt with. I mean, I'm just in elementary school, so I'm not, it's not supposed to be anything, but I mean, she was like the one that just treated me nicely. And I don't know if that was just something in my life experience of mine that ended up just making me like a hopeless romantic because she actually like showed me affection in that way like super ultra mega puppy love but obviously nothing transpired but but everything after that was terrible like i mean third grade i was called ugly fourth grade i was called ugly Fifth, at this point you just start to think bro you ugly like that's just what it is so i mean i always had a hopeless role i always had like the hopeless romantic thing like I always had dreams of having my significant other just be the apple of my eye and just do right by her because i mean i love my mom and i have a sister and things like that so you know, so I didn't really pursue love like that. I wasn't bitter, but I mean, uh, as a young it kind of jacks you up, jacks up your low self-esteem. I had no confidence. I wouldn't even approach women like, you know, but yeah, so that's kind of how mine is. Mine is the complete opposite of my wife. So that I'm all tragic. I hear you. Yeah, I was just kind of more afraid to even try to talk to women. So, yeah. so big question. Big, 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 big question. I think that everybody at some point needs to ask, because I think sometimes this is just um, what people consider normal. Yeah. Um, should every person get married? Should every person get married? Yes. Do you think that is the end-all, be-all? Every person, there is one specific person created for every other person in the world. I don't believe in that. I don't believe, I don't think people should hold marriage as an idol in their lives. I don't think there's one specific person for one person in the world. Elaborate on that, sir, because that is very predominant uh, in in society is that there is, quote unquote, the one. So what is it that causes you to break away from that? Why do you not believe that there is a one? Uh, well, to be honest, a lot of people, I'll answer that with another thing. A lot of people think being equally yoked is just two Christians in a relationship. It can be two Christians that are not equally yoked. And that can be according to the purpose they have set in their lives. I mean, if you got one call in your life and you just force this person to come into your life like that is, is that really Christ-like love is that really a, a yoked an equally yoked relationship even under God Interesting. so I mean sir. I don't think there's just one person out here I believe is 
And that just goes with communication and, and, and intentions of purpose in the situation. Like, you need to have those discussions. Hit me. Hit me, hit me. Ask me that question. Ask me. Do you believe <laughs> that there is, quote unquote, one and only person for everyone in the world? Okay, for my scientific brains, I just want to break this down. <laughs> I just, because like, I was one of the those little girls who like loved Disney movies and like thought Prince Charming was out there somewhere and there was my one somewhere. Like, I wholeheartedly fell for that. Mm-hmm. Like, looking for the particular one, the one that was created just for me. But, for my more analytical and scientific brains... Like, let's just put this into perspective. <clears throat> I haven't looked at the latest data. <clears throat> but I can. Or you can look it up for yourself. I think it was at some point in the early 2000s. <clears throat> Excuse. There's some dust up in here. In the early 2000s, at that point, there were more women populating the earth than men. Mm. So if each of us has a person that we are created for and we are speaking speaking like primarily you're like the only relationship that we were referring to here is heterosexual relationships um there it's not possible for there to be a one just for you because scientifically there's not enough people to go around for that mm-hmm and to answer the question of is every person every person supposed to marry i think you would have to look back at what the apostle paul has to say about that mm-hmm. and um there's two really good books that speak on marriage one is in uh, ephesians chapter 5 that really parallels how the church um, is the symbolism of Christ with his bride. Really beautiful chapter. Uh, but then also in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, like Paul opens it up and saying, you know, you were asking questions about um, sexual relations. And this is what he says. Yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Um, But then he goes on to say in verse 7, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Mm -hmm. And he's saying that's not a command to be single. Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't mean that you are more spiritual than somebody who is married. That is true as well. But there was a very specific reason why he said he wished that people were single. Now, Eric and I were just discussing this off mic. There was something I just learned because I had always seen that verse and thought that Paul was, you know, celibate in his entire life. But if you look at the tradition and background of Paul, he was a Pharisee before he was converted. Um, He was part of the Sanhedrin uh, of the Jewish community of that time. And one of their... um, uh, prerequisite yeah something like that one of one of their um commands or one of the things that you had to do if you were part of the sanhedrin is you had to be married hmm. that was one of their specific rules you know to be a part of them so it sounds like from this perspective when paul says that i'm single it sounds like he's actually a widower 
that at some point, you know, his wife passed away. And for a man to talk on the subject of marriage and widows and orphans and that type of thing, it, you would think he would have some experience in that. It's kind of hard for a single man who's always been single to speak on marriage the way he does. It's, it's like he has a deep understanding of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, whenever Paul talks about um, marriage in that aspect, it's... Um, I don't know. It's just a, it's a beautiful thing. Um, especially when it comes from a godly perspective, being able to have marriage that is biblically based. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful thing. So question, what do you feel like, um, specifically in marriage, coming into marriage, what do you feel like are some of the expectations that spouses can have on each other? I'm going to speak for the men because it's funny because I had this unrealistic expectation. I have a brother in the Lord who had this unrealistic expectation. It was about sex. Wow, imagine that. I don't know why we assumed that once we got married, we was just going to be having sex all the time. I was just like... Define all the time. Like, as much as possible. As much as, like, we restrain from having sex and putting in the proper boundaries to prevent fornication and other (laughs) things that could lead to fornication, you would think after, like, you got married and you got a whole contract before God and your covenant and... Like, man, we're going to be able to do everything we was abstaining from as much as we want. And when I tell you, brothers, kings, fellas, it is not the case. <laughs> like, it is not to say that we were just going to make our wives or make our wives have sex with us. It's just like, it's just a very unrealistic expectation of just after remaining pure because you kind of like holding a beast back in a sense. So you thinking like, hey, once the ring is on and as long as my wife comfortable with it, which I would hope so, because more than likely, I'm pretty sure if anybody's listening has been courting and has gotten married, I'm pretty sure the struggle was real to abstain from having sex. Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. But, like, you would think as soon as you have free reign to do so, you're just going to be like, yes! And that's totally not the case. Um, so how did you have to adjust them expectations, or what what happened? Uh, that actually exposed an idol in me. Um, after sitting down and thinking about it, um, I, I've been vocal about this. Uh, previously before marriage and before I got saved, I was a uh, a functional porn addict, and I like to just clarify addict. That doesn't mean I was just in the fetal position in the corner, just trying not to masturbate. I just for some reason I just feel like you have to explain that sometimes. When people think addict, they think the extreme. Like you know what I'm saying? So having withdrawals. Yeah, you know it wasn't anything like that. But I mean, I I did watch it and just occasionally, time to time, fulfilling my lustful desires. It was just something I did, and um, yeah, it gave me. Uh, unrealistic expectation of sex in marriage how often we can have sex in marriage and things like that so you know it's just speak to that a little bit more what is it about looking at pornography that can um, taint your perspective of marriage like go a little bit more into that why is why would you say pornography really distorts your view of marriage because some people may not think there's anything wrong with pornography if it's done within the confines of marriage yeah it's totally not true um 
Yeah, I I'm not afraid to get into this so because I know how destructive it is. Um, one, depending on what you watching, because anybody listening, male, female that has watched porn, it it's a lot of it out there in different kinds, you know. So it just like depending on what you are watching, you know that you got quote unquote your jollies off of like. If you may go into a Christian marriage with those kind of expectations and you can try, you can be making, you can be doing things that's not loving in a Christ way towards your wife or wife unto your husband the same way that you may have them in position to try to do things that they're not comfortable with doing. And you think since because y'all are married that that person should quote unquote submit to the request. And at the same time, you're not practicing Christ-like love because you're pressuring that person to doing something that's uncomfortable. Two, it distorts, it takes away the beauty that you have or the admiration towards your spouse. You're looking at women as an object and the end goal of your fleshful desires at that point. So you're not even looking at these women as image bearers or women, y'all not looking at these men as image bearers. We're all looking at them as a means to an end. And if you bring something like that into marriage, it can be very destructive on y'all's intimate relationship. Um, heck, what else? I mean, it's just, it's all kinds of pitfalls and traps that you can fall into by just looking at pornography. And I don't think pornography is, that's not something, I mean, should be in our lives. We shouldn't be lusting at other women and men. Even if it's done together as a couple. No. I, I'm anti-porn. Well, I just, I wanted to clarify also, that. Also, also interesting fact, one of the number one driving forces behind sex trafficking is due to pornographic material online. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. That's something that's convicting, too. Yeah. That's just that part. Mm. Okay. So that's kind of the pornography aspect. So it can be unrealistic expectations, but also distort your view of um, marriage, your spouse's role. Oh, can I say one more thing? Go right ahead, sir. Um, also, it one thing in pornography that I was on my lessons learned or my convictions and my meditation on it, um, as dark as that can be sometimes, it also had to let me think about what is a realistic and healthy sex life look like. I did not know what that looks like. Mm. Mm, that's good. Mm. So, yeah, it's just like, so how often, like, you, I don't even think there's a real gauge of what a uh, healthy sex <laughs> life is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just like, I would say, fellas, just from my own personal convictions, and I think it's a shared thing with your spouse's, you should most definitely talk about it. Like, because, I mean, it is possible that the husband or the wife have a higher sex drive than the opposite of the spouse, you know. So, it's very possible, but I think that's something you should be open to communication within your spouse or your marriage. I put the symbolism into, like, if we want to have a certain gauge. I, I think I agree with you. You mm -hmm. can't base your... Uh, status of your sex life mm -hmm. on, on specifically how often you're having sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then it becomes a numbers game. Yeah. I think that's also, it parallels in with like your church health. You cannot base all, how healthy your church mm -hmm. is based off of how many people are coming, yeah. how many people get saved in a particular service, how many people 
um, worship openly in a service like you you can't gauge the health of your church like that a lot of it happens um, you know when nobody else is looking yeah same thing in a marriage you, mm-hmm. I don't think you can base your the health of your sex life on how many sessions you're together but I think it really comes into the little details of your life of what are you doing when you're not having sex yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I think that that's a, a good point to put in there now as far as um how about your expectations in period oh in marriage period okay so i think one of the expectations we as women have sometimes is we expect uh, prince charming at our wedding altar (laughs) we expect this man to pretty much have it together um that he just be a knight in shining armor um and just, you know, be there to be our protector, um, have it all together. I, I, I really, I think that's one thing that's been ingrained in us from a society, like, especially with Disney. Disney is just so evil when it comes to expectations of distorting what that looks like. Hallmark, too. Yeah, Hallmark, too. Yes, I'll agree with that because you don't see the story after that. Nope. You know what I mean? So, like, I'll use me and Eric as an example. Our first year of marriage, like, and coming in May, it's going to be three years that we've been married. And just in this short amount of time, even before we got married, we talked a lot about expectations and, um, you know, giving each other grace. We had things that we worked through. But our first year of marriage, um, we there was a lot of things that we had to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why communication is so important, especially, like, at all times during marriage, but especially when you're, like, struggling with something mm-hmm. or there's tension or there's something that bothers you. Like, bringing that up to your spouse is so important, but also allowing a safe place for your spouse to say those things mm-hmm. is also important. Like, uh, a person will shut down very easily if they want to bring their feelings out and vocalize those feelings, but then they get shot down or fussed at or um, totally dismissed. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you'll get over it. Like, that is not a safe, healthy place for somebody to really vocalize how they're feeling. And me and Eric have had very intense conversations before that were hard, um, but I don't think we've ever really argued with one another. We've just allowed there to be a safe place for each other to communicate. Yeah. Uh, I thank God for the time before marriage and just understanding how to communicate and the purpose of communication. Mm -hmm. The purpose of any conversation is never to win. This is true. I think it's to to be able to listen to another person to understand their viewpoint. That is exactly the point. And, of course, to take it a step further, there has to be some action involved after mm-hmm. the conversations, mm-hmm. especially if you consider or say that you love your spouse, which I would hope you do if you're getting married. But um, uh, you most definitely have, have a safe place, a foundation that is built on trust, love. You shouldn't be gossiping to your friend. Don't don't go to your friends talking about what's going on wrong in your marriage. Don't Don't have you and your spouse in a relationship where everybody else is dictating what you should do. Yeah, that's that's terrible. That's like, got to come between you and your spouse, and even even family. Mm-hmm. You know, family can have the best of intentions because they think they know you, but they don't know you as the wife or the husband. You're more the brother, the sister, the daughter, mm-hmm. or the son. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a completely different side of you. But that person has to be worked on in the confines of marriage and not everybody else's opinion dictating how a marriage should go. Your marriage is going to be strongest when you work on it together, not when you allow everybody else to pick at it. Yeah. Um. So most definitely need to... Y'all need to get to the point where y'all are comfortable having very uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. I mean, that's just, it just is what it is. Because I, I think a lot of men, we deal with pride. And that like the first time, like a few times I had a stumble in my marriage with pornography, I wanted to confess that to my wife because I wasn't, I didn't want to keep doing it. I, I wanted it out of my life. You know, I just, but to just know that, Especially if it wasn't the first infraction, you know what I'm saying? Like, you had to confess it again and to take her through the heartbreak that you saw in the first time you told her. And then that that becomes a a whole nother situation, too. And then, yeah, you need to be, <laughs> need to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations, man. Mm-hmm. Because you do want, you don't, you don't want to have your spouse in a position where they have to second guess an action that you make that's where Mm -hmm. trust is broken most of the time too Mm -hmm. and i would i will say this side note fellas and ladies Mm -hmm. um because when it comes to the whole sexual relationship thing men and women both enjoy sex it may not seem that way but they Mm -hmm. really do yeah they really Mm -hmm. do so i will tell you this if you create a very safe space for your spouse to be able to express themselves and feel comfortable and not like they're going to be attacked when doing it. That's not to say that you can't critique them. Like Eric has told me some very hard truths before um, that maybe I didn't necessarily like, but when I process it and realize he was right, you know, that built trust. That means I could come back to him again where I could expect him to give me an honest answer. Uh, and that's one of the things that's very needful. But I will tell you, when you are building that trust with open communication, that's also going to work into the physical part of the relationship as well. When you have trust with somebody and you are building that, you're going to want to have sex. That is a fact. That was also one of the things about, that's one of the, the deadly parts about courting and why boundaries and guidelines and things need to be set. And communicated and acted upon mm-hmm. is because the more you get to know your spouse or whatever, even if y'all just courting and y'all ain't married, like the more y'all get to know each other, especially in a, mat- a spiritual mature level, mm-hmm. not just on petty subjects of hobbies and stuff, but just just sharing each other and what y'all are going through individually with God, test trials, events that transpire in your life, breakthroughs. That is very attractive, especially to the person that you're attracted to. You get attracted to growth. And then you want to have sex. Because Mm -hmm. attraction can't just be about physical. At all. That's part of it. Now, I can't say that you you marry the ugliest person you can find, you'll be happy. (laughs) No, there's got to be some level of physical Mm -hmm. attraction there. Mm -hmm. But that can't be the end-all, be-all either. Um, Because I've seen relationships like that that are very shallow when Mm -hmm. it's just based on looks. I mean, you're going to get old. You're going to get wrinkled. And tragedy does happen where your spouse or potential mate could be disconfigured or something mm-hmm. i mean those things god forbid god willing but yeah. you know i mean those things do happen and then once that happens are you just gonna coldly leave your spouse yeah but there's mm-hmm. there's another level of it too like you can connect with somebody intellectually me and eric are very intellectual people and i think having deep conversations is very attractional for both of us mm-hmm. 
Um, so that was an area earlier in courtship whenever we had very deep intellectual conversations, especially, especially when it was biblical. Mm-hmm. We had to have our guards up. Mm-hmm. It was like, man, like I am so attracted to you right now. Like <laughs> I want to give everything to you right now. <laughs> For real. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can't even be just intellectual. Like your foundation has to be built on a solid foundation of Jesus Christ. I mean, it has to. Um, the first year in our marriage, um, I think we were both going through spiritual things mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and there were times, like I know people see us all the time, they're like, y'all are just y'all are just so awesome together. Well, you didn't always see what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, there were times I couldn't stand to be in the same room as him. Like I would be angry because I just didn't want to be around him. Um, for, I didn't know this till like an hour ago. Yeah. Like no key. Yeah. Uh, it was just like uncontrollable rage almost. And I didn't understand what it was, what it was coming from because there was nothing in particular my husband had done. Um, but it was from me having to work out my own, spiritual issues but then also being brave enough to share with him what i was going through and that takes time to build on like yeah i married my husband but there's still some cultivating in our relationship that had to happen like just because we got married that doesn't mean we automatically became a perfect couple and could read each other's minds and knows what's going on Mm. like usually the first couple of years of marriage is hard i'll even put this out there me and him were so used to living on our own Mm-hmm. That it felt like we were roommates for the first couple of years of our marriage. Like, we actually did not share a bathroom and a closet together until, like, what? Last year? Yeah, until last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He moved into our bedroom, so to speak. Like, he slept in there, of course. Mm-hmm. But, like, his clothes were in the guest room and he would use the guest bathroom. And that wasn't because, you know, we didn't like being around each other. We were just so used to living on our own that we still, like, I don't know still had our separate things going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. It was kind of hard for me to like share that space just because I was so used to having that on my own. But like, you know, we adjusted, we're fine. We can actually be in the bathroom getting together at the same time, getting ready now. And it's just like, I need you to slide over a little bit, please. So I can brush my hair. <laughs> I remember when I first brought it up when I was just, because I think it was the second time we talked about just feeling like roommates and then we just mm-hmm. never put no action behind it. And I was just like, you know what? I'm finna, um, I'm finna move my stuff in here. And Holly ain't react like in the happiest way. She wasn't like mad or nothing, like but she was just like, like, what? What you mean? Like, we got a good thing going. Like, yeah. this, this works already. And I, was I just, got the whole closet. Yeah. It, like, it wouldn't have bothered me, but I just felt like we just really needed to be one. One, yeah. Like it just felt it just felt too apart, like separate. Like we was married by I don't know how to explain, like it was we live in the same house, so we married, but we do our own thing. We have our separate spaces. Yeah, and it was it was kinda it was I, I was personally just getting convicted by it just as as a man the leader of my home like but if we hadn't already established that open floor communication this Mm. is a safe place for you to express that and you might not have expressed that oh yeah and like i had to take some time to process that Mm -hmm. so the fact that and you would think like i know some women probably who are still single thinking oh my god my your husband wanted to share the closet with you like that is so sweet 
that ain't the first thing that went off in my brain. <laughs> like, this is my space. What is you talking about? <laughs> yeah, huh? and then that just points to certain things of, like, why do I think that way? Yeah. And things. Yeah, like, we had mm-hmm. to stop and really talk about that. Um, but that that's what I'm saying. Like, that's where communication comes open. So, drop the expectation that your spouse, when you get married, is already the perfect person. Perfect marriages are non-existent, Mm -hmm. but mature marriages is what you're building towards. And the only way that you are able to really understand your spouse and love your spouse accurately, even through the hard times, is by open communication and having time to be your friend. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, time is on our side. Like, we just keep learning more and more and more about each other. And, like, I love my husband more today than I did when we said I do. Mm -hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. It's just it. You cherish you cherish anything when you've been through thick and thin with it. Mm-hmm. Like especially my marriage. Like there's not many things in life that I'll just get up and antsy about. But when it comes to my family or my wife or my mom or something like that, those are like sensitive things because those things have persevered with me. I persevere with my wife in this marriage. We consistently and constantly go back and forth just finally discussing doing check-ins how this is going we just started to get back on our finances and our budget i mean we just find the stuff to to just improve on our marriage all the time it gives me opportunities and challenges as a man you know to be the leader in my household because there's a few times i felt like i wasn't like i mean and he voiced that yeah and that took a lot of courage to voice that yeah, I think one of the saddest times, I think this was on our anniversary thing. Yeah, the last one we went to in uh, our last one, our last anniversary, we had, uh, rented that uh, property in uh, Myrtle Beach, not Myrtle Beach, but Wilmington. Carolina Beach. Yeah, mm-hmm. Carolina Beach. And I was just, this is when my wife was just starting her um her business with her, her, her uh, you want to? Health coaching. Yeah, health coaching. And it took a lot of time to build that from ground up, you know, clientele. And just doing it in the way that pleased the Lord, because we want to please the Lord in all things that mm-hmm. we're inspired with or trusted with, you know, being good stewards of things and loving people. And, you know, I just began to feel like I was just living in the house by myself. I felt like I wasn't really I wasn't needed as the man in the house. And that just felt really bad for me. Do you remember how that conversation went? I don't, to be honest with you. Yeah. So mm. this is what Eric said. Like he said, I just, I want, I just want to talk. He said, I feel like if something happened to me where I was not here, you would be able to pick up and move on because there's no, there's nothing for me to do. Like you were self sufficient. You don't need me. Mm. Is what he was basically saying, and that is so important for a man to feel needed, like he has a purpose, especially inside of his marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was really, and I was very honest with him, and I said honestly, babe, I I don't need you. Mm-hmm. Like when I step back and look at things, if if you were not a part of my life. Like I, from a financial aspect, from a job aspect, um, you'd be okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like that, I, I I know I didn't know how he was going to take that, but I'm, I was not going to sit there and lie either and be like, no, I need you. <laughs> but when you step back and think, you know, I told him I said it's not that I need you, I want you, mm-hmm. I want you here with me. So let's talk about what we need to do to make it feel like. 
there's more of a purpose. Like you are a husband, you are truly head of our household. Um, and maybe there's some things that I can step back from that you can step up to. Like we had to have that conversation of what that looked like. Um, you know, and there were some adjustments that had to happen there. Um, and that doesn't mean that we've got the dance down perfect. Stuff is always changing. So we have to continually revisit it and say, okay, how can we change this? What can we do here? Um, so yeah, it's an ongoing process, but I think probably now is probably one of the most grounded times I've ever felt like we've had. I agree. It's just been a lot of growth from you personally, to me personally, to us spiritually and our relationship with God and most many other things. And, um, yeah, we at right now, like, it's kind of blissful. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, it's tragic going to strike soon. Like, you know, I just, but I have a, I have a history of paranoia, so that's just me. But uh, I would just, as we wrap this up, I would just say a couple tips for men um, that are courting, married, or in a relationship where y'all talking about getting married. Y'all need to be comfortable communicating everything. Even your feelings. Especially your feelings. I know uh, the world teaches men to not show emotion and not express themselves, but we're seeing more uh, catastrophic post-effects from that based on how men live their lives. Uh, lies we've been told. Men don't cry. Men don't show feelings and things like that. <laughs> Trust me, if we weren't able to, God wouldn't have enabled us to do so. We wouldn't have tear ducts. All that stuff would have been... That wouldn't have been in the, the prototype for the man. So... Uh, no, don't be afraid to communicate with your spouse, even your dark secrets, your sins and things like that. I mean, that's commanded in the Bible to confess your sins to one another. And of course, God as well. Um, and also, man, just uh, I would say from speaking to the ladies from a husband aspect, don't necessarily think your man is trying to, quote unquote, control you because they understand the submission part of what's said in Ephesians, wives submit unto your husbands as he was unto the Lord and things like that. But at the same time, if you've married this person or consider marrying this person, please understand they have their best interests at heart or they should. Men, you should have your spouse's best interests at heart. It should be for everything you do towards your spouse should please God, period. Mm -hmm. That's where it goes back in Corinthians, I think, where it talks about... Um, the wife doesn't own her body anymore, but it's it's her husband's, but also vice versa. Mm -hmm. The husband doesn't own his body. It is a wife. So, like, you can say that it's coming from a sexual aspect, but it, it's also loving each other as your own self. Mm -hmm. You know, so you, you want to be able to get in that space where you understand your spouse in all aspects. Mm -hmm. um, so, for ladies, tips for you. Everybody's a little bit different women-wise. I, I would probably say women are more open books and have a tendency to verbalize their feelings more. Um, whenever I'm really upset about something, I actually internalize. Like, I, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but I will say in both aspects, like, women express yourself in a very controlled state, though. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's easy to let emotions get high. But don't forget to button your mouth at some point and allow your spouse to share his thoughts. Because a man is not going to share his feelings if he doesn't feel like there's space for him to do that. So sometimes it's not about you. It's not about what you're going through. But in order for your husband to better understand you and to be able to meet your needs, you need to be quiet and let him express himself as well. Because this is marriage is not about just 
fulfilling a wife's needs. A husband has needs too, but a lot of times they're not going to verbalize it, uh, especially if they don't feel like there's a safe place for it. So women, talk a little less, listen a little more, and under, try to understand what your spouse is saying. Um, and then above all else, always have to put this out there. Let Jesus be your first love. That's right. Because if you have that representation of what true love is supposed to be like, Jesus is the only person who can love you completely and perfectly better than any other person. My husband loves me, but he cannot love me as perfectly as Christ does. But whenever that foundation is laid where Christ is my all in all, he is my everything, then I can better understand how to love my spouse, but I can also see how Christ's love can move through my spouse towards me. It's just from a more pure, genuine place. And you know it uh, from the way your spouse interacts with you. Eric and I can tell when each of us is like, we need to get more on the ball with devotions and prayer Mm -hmm. because it shows through our actions. Mm -hmm. So your relationship, especially your individual life, has to be based on Christ's love for you so that you can better love each other together as a couple. Yeah, man. Gotta be Jesus first. Every time, every time. Yeah, it's actually foolish to believe that two fallen sinful human beings can absolutely run a marriage perfectly better than the one who created marriage. Mm-hmm. But we try to do it all the time. This is a true statement. Yep. Gotta have Jesus first. Got to. Alright, I'm done with my rambling. Yeah, I ain't got nothing else either. <laughs> But as usual, we appreciate y'all for tuning in to us once again. When the next episode is going to be, I don't know. We'll let you know. But when it comes out, if you have subscribed to Crosstalk with the Paintings on all platforms, <laughs> including Spotify, Apple, uh, you know, Stitcher, and there are many other things. Uh, yeah, you subscribe to that, and as soon as it's uploaded, you'll be available to hear. So... Love you guys. Much love, man. Y'all be blessed. Uh, Until next time. Peace.